there's a lot of men out there that, you know, they're, they're tackling their family dynamics. They're trying to be the breadwinner. They're trying to, you know, take care of their wife, kids, and there isn't a lot of space for them. And guys need guys to talk to. Hi everyone, this is Ross, your host of Bear Crawl with Dads. So true confession, I'm completely leveraging this podcast for personal and selfish reasons. You see, not too long ago, I became a dad for the very first time, but with that, an older dad. So the one thing that I know so far is that this bear crawl as a dad is not meant to be done alone. We truly need each other. So may this podcast be that for you. So come along and let's bear crawl together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bear Crawl with Dad. I'm so glad that you are tuning in. Um, as you know, Bear Crawl with Dad exists to support, encourage, and help uh, dads that are out there, whether you're new to the whole role of a father or you are late in the game or an empty nester. Um, so this is uh, an episode that I've been really looking forward to for a really long time. Um, I'm so uh, excited, honored, and proud to have um, guest who is right in the middle of things with men and dads. One thing that's really come up through a lot of my interviews with several of the guys out there, one common theme that's constantly come up is mental health. Uh, mental health, not only in general, but mental health with fathers and dads. So with that, proud to introduce my guest, Daniel. Daniel, welcome to the hey. show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, you, I, I don't know if the audience, but we've, we've been trying to do this for a while now. Um, I know we initially had a conversation back in the fall. Um, so I just, I really, really have been looking forward to it. When you signed up to, to be a guest, um, it is one that I've had marked for a long time, um, specifically just who you are, but also to what you do. So this show is going to be a little bit different in a sense of, I'm really kind of going to open it up to you because um, I feel like the audience and myself just to really learn what are you seeing out there? What are you doing? And what are some tips or what are some things that you could encourage um, not only dads out there, but maybe spouses or partners um, that are in this um, raising children together? Um, so, Daniel, if you don't mind, just tell the audience a little bit about what you do specifically and then what got you into um, this role of of counseling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks for having me again, Ross. It's uh, It's really exciting to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I have a, a full-time job currently at MD Anderson Cancer Center here in Houston, where I, I do uh, counseling with uh, lung and esophageal cancer patients in what's mm. called the thoracic clinic. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it can be a doozy at times. And, uh, and outside of that, I have a private practice that I, that I run and I see folks in the evenings and, uh, I do psychotherapy. And, uh, you know, try and help folks get through day-to-day -day life and hopefully learn a little bit more about themselves and, you know, how they kind of came up and got through life and figured out their defense mechanisms that they still use today. And, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's my basic role now. I would say, uh, the way I ended up in mental health was, uh, you know, I really, I really always loved helping people as cliche as that is. And as funny, funny enough, my, uh, 
my mom, when I was three years old, I told her that I love people and I love the world and uh, it really hasn't changed that much. <laughs> and so, uh, when I, I, I went to school at the university of Texas and I got my undergraduate in uh, history and then, uh, I got an undergraduate degree in history. And then I, I got a master's degree at the university of Houston in social work. And, um, uh, yeah, I ended up deciding that I wanted to go into this field and, and really do what I can to help folks and, uh, you know, learn a lot about myself and, and use those tools to, uh, really impact people out in the world day to day. Well, uh, Daniel, thanks for sharing that. It, 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 as a three-year-old, the fact that you stayed true to your North star for that many years is, is kind of amazing, you know, that, that, that was something that resonated in your heart. And I think especially to, um, you know, with all the COVID mess and we talk about heroes out there and those that are really in the trenches, I would have to say you, Daniel, are right there with them and just dealing with people um, and how much you are needed and what an impact you're making. Um, so I just want to thank you in advance for this special calling because um, I think that's pretty unique. I think, unfortunately, sometimes we as men, not the stereotype, are pursuing the almighty dollar and... I don't know. It just, but you're, you're, you're striving to make an impact and oh yeah, to change yeah, people's and, lives. So, and, and trust me, I, I, I've been there with the search for the almighty dollar. There, there was a point in time where I actually <laughs> did get my real estate license to try and, uh, get into that. But I, I really realized how much I dislike sales. And so I, I found myself, found myself back into the, to the lane of calling for, and maybe, for it, mental it, health. And maybe you needed that. I mean, side note too, with me, um, right out of college, I kind of got wooed by the money dollar to be a pharmaceutical rep. So I was in sales, right? And I got like the business car. The, the day that I signed up, they're like, okay, Ross, we kind of need to know now. Are you going to take the job? Because we're going to, we got to book your flights to Hawaii to go on our big national sales, you know, uh, convention. I was like, okay, I'm, yes. Only like 10 months later to realize, I think I made the worst decision of my life. <laughs> and then like three and a half years later at the Houston rodeo, I had panic attacks and I felt like I was having a heart attack and wow. I, yeah, I, I had like my left arm, you know, the whole, you feel like an elephant is like stepping on your chest and, mm -hmm. and I was like, what is happening? You know, I'm healthy. I, what's happening? And my body, I just internalized things and I just realized this is not what I should be doing. So anyway, so side note, um, but I kind of was chasing the almighty dollar a little bit too. Um, so I, I feel you there. Um, but as far as, you know, what you're doing, Daniel, and, you know, one, as, as I was preparing a little bit for our conversation, I really want this to be a conversation for the audience to just to see what you're seeing uh, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, one article that I pulled up from Very Well Mind just highlights that they're, what they found was that more than 6 million men suffer from depression each year. Whether that's a little, you know a loss of interest in work, irritability, fatigue, feelings, worthlessness, um, and that a lot of maybe men should kind of feel like maybe that we sh we shouldn't be feeling this way. You, they, we don't have anybody to talk to, and maybe kind of feeling the weight of the world on them. So what I'm so excited about having mm -hmm. you tonight is I think this is a huge issue, and tell me if I'm wrong, that is not really being discussed. So what are you seeing out there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say that 
you know, even if where you're pulling that from, even with the 6 million, it's probably even underreported. Mm. Um, you know, those are, those are, those are just the cases that they know about. Those are just the people that they know about and, Sure. Um, I imagine those numbers are significantly greater in reality. I actually, before I get into what, to what I'm seeing on the ground, I actually wanted to start off with a little bit of an exercise, if that's all right with you. Um, uh, I would love it. Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want you to take, you know, maybe like 10 to 20 seconds. And I want you to think about the most difficult thing in your life right now that you haven't told anyone about that you haven't spoken with or, or had any conversations with anyone else about. You got something? I need the 20 seconds. Take the 20 seconds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So instead of sharing what it is, I want you to just tell me why you wouldn't share it. Shame. Shame is a big one. I would say shame and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And so um, that was just a tiny little quick exercise. And just pulling you out of the, you know, fish out of water, making you do something. But um, for a lot of men out there, shame, embarrassment, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of abandonment, feelings of they, the, the needs that they were met. And so for a lot of men out there, we keep these pieces of ourselves hidden. Um, for a multitude of reasons, but certainly shame and the other ones that I mentioned before uh, are at the forefront of what's holding people back. And and just in that 22nd uh, exercise that we held or that I did right, um, you know, you can really see just so how quickly your mind can go to a place of, you know, of you following where I, I don't yep. want to get up off topic yeah. but uh you know what i'm so what i'm seeing out there that was is there's a lot of men out there that you know they're they're tackling their family dynamics they're trying to be the breadwinner they're trying to you know take care of their wife kids and there isn't a lot of space for them and guys need guys to talk to we need people to talk to we need others that we can relate to, that we can, you know, unleash some of the emotional distress that we're feeling. And, you know, so often uh, it might come out in other ways. Like it's, it's not that those feelings aren't there. They're, they exist. They're there. Um, but people will just don't give them the opportunity to be able to articulate their needs. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just with that's go ahead with the men that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Is it is it because you said you know men uh, we we need to share we need to be able to have um, I hate to say this but uh, being their brothers and that we can feel vulnerable with uh, to talk to, but with when they come to you, are they kind of generally at the end of their rope, or at the are they just have really made some poor life decisions because. It, because that's why they're seeing you or what, uh, why, or what has led them to you? Is yeah. There, yeah. 
Yeah. So there are so many different reasons for why people end up coming to me. Right. Okay. Um, I would say at the hospital, you know, working with the cancer and, and folks that are dealing with that, uh, it's interesting because a lot of times the guys are, are talking to me because this was the one thing that they couldn't hold together that they've done. So their whole life. So for example, for a lot of people, they just kind of, they take the stressors of their life and they compartmentalize and compartmentalize and compartmentalize. And, you know, and then you get something so severe, like a cancer diagnosis and the wheels fall off. And while they should have been in therapy dealing with all these other issues that they've been able to bury for years, they're unable to, and they bury. And it's, and it's one of the, it's one of the, the most difficult things to see because you can tell that for a lot of those, they just never thought that they could be a different way. You know, they had to be strong. They had to make money. They had to feed their family. They had to take care of the kids. Um, and, and they kept their needs to the side. And then exactly with the cancer and being in the hospital, everything just falls apart. And, and, and that total loss of control that they always for all of those other uh, challenging parts of their life, that loss of control just shatters them. And while they should have been in therapy 20 years ago, then they're talking to me and we're trying to rebuild the pieces of them to help them have more control over their life and not make them feel like, like they have nothing. And so when it comes to working at the hospital, that's what I'm doing a lot of times with with the men that are really having a hard time. And you can tell, you can tell the people that have been able to put the work in and, and have the support and take the time to, to sit with their emotions and, and get what they needed versus the folks that just kept their head down and had to do what they had to do for their living and had to do what they had to do for their family, but there wasn't time for them and what their emotional needs were. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it can be, it can be incredibly sad to, to see it's a, obviously it's a privilege for me to get to work with these kinds of folks because they, they need it so desperately. They need the support, they need the guidance and they need someone to talk to. Um, and so from the hospital perspective that those are, those are mostly how I, how I find those kinds of male patients, um, in my private practice. I, I try and tend to work with folks that are, you know, generally interested in trying to work on themselves. You know, they have an interest in therapy. They have an interest in learning more about their early childhood experiences and how they panned out to be uh, adults and how those experiences have impacted them as adults and, you know, how they raise their children or how they, uh, you know, as they see their child grow, how they want to parent differently than their parents. And, you know, the the people that I work with outside of my 40 hours a week. Those are the folks that really are trying to make a preemptive impact and, uh, you know, a preemptive impact on their life. And it's funny I even say preemptive because I have clients that are uh, both in their mid twenties and also in their eighties. So it's, it's uh, just a whole uh, range of people that are, you know, wanting to, to give themselves an opportunity to have emotional support and learning and, and self care ultimately so so with the with the two uh, if it's fair 
you're kind of your two worlds. There's the, there's the hospital, then there's a private practice, right? So it sounds exactly. like for what I'm hearing is in your, your hospital world, cancer, that's kind of what's the, maybe the common theme and what's kind of bringing them quote to their knees, mm -hmm. um, where you're able to kind of meet them where, where they are, but, but it's the cancer diagnosis necessarily is, is what kind of brings you to them. And then in your private practice, it's more of a proactive, obviously move on their part. Is that fair? Just yeah, your I would, exactly. It's exactly okay. right. So, so, cause I do want to kind of look at, I, I guess I want to lean a little bit more towards your private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, cause hopefully the majority of listeners aren't dealing with a, a, a cancer diagnosis, but not to take away from that part. No, I do, I, because I do want to hear, and I am fascinated is with when you're seeing guys potentially that are kind of facing literally life or death. And when you're facing potential death, you know, what do you see? Are there the regrets? Are there the, I don't care now about the money. I care about quality. I care about being present for my family. You know, does it shift to that? And then in your private practice, I guess to clarify as well for the audience, is it, do you, do you deal strictly with men in your private practice or are you open to everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I see everybody pretty much. Um, okay. I've had, uh, yeah, I've had all kinds of clients over the okay. years. And so, yeah, and there is no separation. I, I just, you know, knowing that this is a, you know, primarily a, a men's, uh, young, or a men's where, uh, you know, focus on, you know, growing up and getting childcare and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, certainly that's where I was leaning on, on that end, but. Well, I, I wanted to clarify yeah. to you with your private practice because I almost, okay. Yeah. That you do see, which I think is important because you do see, um, you know, women as well as men, all kind of all facets, right? So I think that's important to kind of have a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. But yes, I mean, right. obviously the show for dads to encourage dads, you know, so kind of even to strip that away a little bit even more now, you know, with your private practice, when you have seen fathers of all ages, you know, to now dig deep into that, you know, um, I guess too, what is it that's bringing them you know, maybe it's multiple reasons, but what's bringing them? Because I think generally, again, I'm not trying to stereotype, but maybe what your experience is for men to acknowledge, I have a problem, I need help. Uh, I think that's huge. I don't know if now if that, that's a generational thing where maybe younger generations are like, no, self care is awesome. And I go see a therapist. I'm not embarrassed about that. But uh, when I alluded to my panic attacks, a really good friend of mine was like, Ross, you really need to go see a counselor. My first reaction is like, are you kidding me? No, I, I don't need mm -hmm. a counselor. I've got this. That's for, right. that's for people who are weak emotionally. I'm not right. that. And also too, that's to me, I'm kind of being vulnerable that I, I can't handle it on my own. And so right. I, I kind of really fought it for a while. But then mm -hmm. after I had several panic attacks in a row, I was like, you know what? You got me. I, I, I need to try this. And for me personally, to visit with a counselor who didn't know my baggage, who could hear me kind of fresh and to validate, I just needed somebody to hear me. And I just needed somebody to say, hey, Ross, you're normal. Right. Like you're normal. What I'm hearing 
that's yeah. normal. It was the biggest weight off my shoulders blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was huge. So, I, so that's long winded to say, you know, are these men kind of on their own or have they just kind of like, I, I've, I've, I'm at the end, I'm at the end. You're my last chance. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I totally understand. So, uh, yeah, most of the clients that I worked with have had side support from a loved one, family, friend. Um, that's encouraged them to to come and 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 have someone to talk. And, you know, have someone help them bring out their fears and difficulty, shame, and um, and and really work through those issues. Uh, but but it does take it does take the support from the outside. For a lot of for a lot of men that I've worked with, it it has come from a, a buddy saying, "Hey, I have a store," uh, you know, from a son of a of a of a client saying, "I go to a therapist. Maybe you should," or just you know, talking about the generational differences. Um, you know, yeah, our, I'm in this younger generation. I'm in my early thirties. Uh, we're definitely more open to being on self care and getting our mental health need care of um but it is challenging if you don't have those people around you right right well and i you know my hope too is that somebody that's listening if you you know if they do feel like they're alone and they're just they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders to you know to, to try to find a counselor or you know maybe look your information up and you can refer just how powerful it is to to be able to just a voice and, and you know, what you're dealing with. And even that, that little, that little test or thing you did with me at the beginning of the show, right. If that triggers something in you, um, to reach out to somebody, is there, Daniel, is it, is it fair to ask, are there common themes if you really stripped it down again, specifically to the men, is it, if you stripped it down, like, is there one or two common themes of, is it, uh, generational family abuse or uh, abandonment um because obviously as humans we all we need to to know that we're valued and that we're part of a community you know could you is that is that a fair question if i had to if i had to really down into one or two things our society and it's just like what you were talking about with your panic or Society promotes this idea that men have to be strong. We have to keep our emotions to ourselves and, and that we just should handle business on and, uh, across the board, across the generation, it is the same. It's common theme for everyone. And, um, you know, with a lot of guys that I see, that's how, that's how they were taught growing up. They were told to chase the money, like you say, or, you know, get out there and hustle and, and kind of put other things in the back burner and, you know, put food on, have a family and just proceed through life. Um, people don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. There, I mean, there are just, there are so many opportunities out there for people to have folks to talk to and to get help and also. You know, I think that there's a lack of an emphasis on the importance of just of having a male counterpart friends that you can have 
an emotional connection with. Uh, I think it's a huge thing that, that often gets missed when, you know, we talk about this, you know, this masculine, I'm tough, I can hide my, you know, you would be surprised to see how many men, when they're able to connect emotionally with, with a friend of theirs even, and just break down those vulnerabilities about the difficulties of trying to make money in this world, the difficulties of trying to be a father and really allowing those vulnerabilities to come out and come through mm -hmm. and do that with, with another male counterpart is immense. Even, even it can even be more powerful than a therapy. Well, how do you, okay. So when you're working now, uh, um, whether it's with your hospital clients or in your private practice, you know, what are some steps? What are some challenges for, for men who, well, I don't really have uh, a social group or, you know, I don't, I, you know, I think being here, I'm not sure, again, I'm not trying to stereotype Houston or Texas, but you know, um, you know, the guys we go out and hunt, we go hunting, you know, we go right. fishing, you know, that these are my hunting boys. These are my fishing boys. And, you know, um, but, but what do you encourage, you know, guys who, who man, I really don't, I don't have a network. I don't. You know, I'm so busy working, I don't even know what my interests are. And if I go do a hunting trip or a fishing trip or go see a, a rocket, who would see the rockets right now, but um, especially if you're wearing a hoodie, um, but what, <laughs> how would you, you know, I would feel guilty to go and, and, and see a sports game, leaving my family or my wife. Yeah. What do you tell, what do you tell dads? Are you asking, what do I tell dads that might feel guilty about? You know, well, sorry. Things? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, sorry. Or, I, or just how to, how do you foster accountability or, or how do you create connections, uh, keep people to even find guys to connect with? Yeah. So I, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's honestly, I don't have the answer. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard out there, man. It's hard for people to meet people, especially as adults right. um, and, and to form relationships. I think, you know, if you're involved in a, a sure a synagogue or uh, if you have a kids at school with other kids, you may be able to connect with parents that right. way and meet yep. another, a guy that's going through, um, going through similar things, but you know, ultimately, ultimately it's just going to take some risk. That's how it is. I, I, and, and when I, when I talk about the private practice and working with folks that are trying to get out there and, and get the help that they need is they're taking a risk to be vulnerable. Um, and it might be the scariest risk anyone takes even scarier than going into a business deal. That's a million dollars and whatever, you know, it's, it's, there's something about letting someone else see the young person inside of you that is terrifying for so many people and and just being able to take a shot here and there and even if it's just small baby steps it, it, it could lead to some to a place where you find another person that you can be emotionally comfortable around outside of let's say your spouse and, and family but um, ultimately, ultimately it just takes a leap of faith yep. that, that it takes a willingness to get hurt. 
I want to put this in a way. Every relationship is going to bring out some vulnerabilities. Right. Whether it's with a spouse or a friend or a parent or whomever. And the only way to get close to other people is to be willing to be vulnerable, even, even slightly, so you can get closer to them. And it's hard, mm-hmm. difficult, painful a lot of the time. But well, it's possible. Man, and there's that fear too. If, if I'm really, really open and honest with this person, there's a chance I'm going to get hurt. There's a chance I'm going to be scorned or shamed. You know, and like, man, I took a risk, I opened up my heart. It just got completely, you know, I got stepped on, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. so there's that risk. And I'm so glad you brought that up, actually, because it does, it, it does take somebody to just take that leap of faith and just say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to go there. And it, it, I, I got to, you know, and oftentimes it takes one person to do that. And potentially the floodgates could open up and, and I think you said right. too, you know, it, it's, you know, again, I want to challenge guys if, I don't know, I even said, you know, whether I, w- I went to a smaller university than what you went to, but it's like, it doesn't matter what the size is, as long as you have like two or three or four close, a crew that just knows you, you know, and, and take that and drop, mm-hmm. you in, in, drop you into Houston, which is like the fourth largest city in the United States, you know, just... You find your crew, you know, people that have your back, you could be vulnerable with. So it's like, how do you create that? Um, whether it's a place of worship, whether it's an interest, working out CrossFit, mountain biking, fishing, you know, whatever that is, is to create those connections. And then through that, look for opportunities, I think, to maybe just, hey, guys, I'm really struggling with something or, you know, right. hey, I just need a, I need to. I'm going to be vulnerable, you know, warning, uh, I'm struggling my marriage or I don't know how to parent my kid. Right. Well, now. and it's right. And, and, and actually it's, it's, I was just thinking about marriage where I'm wondering that for the guys that are struggling with formulating, forming relationships with, um, other guys, whoever else they're hanging out with, I wonder how many of them are also struggling at home. You know, for so many, for so many couples, not being on the same page exacerbates these issues tenfold. And being able to, you know, at, like, right, because we're talking about, you know, you need that support. You need somebody in your corner. And if at the end of the day, nobody else is in your corner, but your wife is in your corner, your partner is in your corner, then the idea is that it, it can give you that confidence to go out and be and be risky and be a little bit more vulnerable, be a little bit more vulnerable with your emotions to try and access those other people. Yeah. You know, I have uh, I have I have uh, friends that that I talk to and I tell them, you know, I know nothing's wrong in your in your marriage or your relationship right now, but it could be really awesome to go to couples counseling just so you can just so you can have better communication with your spouse. Because at the end of the day, that's who you're going home to. And if you're not getting the support there, it's going to be very hard to find the support anywhere else. Well, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that. So to, to those that are 
or married or um, a long you know, term relationship. I guess what I'm hearing you say is it's a, well, I envision it like reverting back to middle school for me. You know, you walk into a new environment, it's, it's, it, or even as an adult, what am I talking about? But if you walk into an environment where you don't know anybody, it, it can be a little intimidating. But if you had kind of a partner in crime with you, your buddy, a friend, something, you're going to feel a little bit more confident, right? Walking into Right. Because you just, you got somebody there, you know, to, you're going to feel a little bit more confident to go out and meet people and you're going to be a little bit more outgoing. So I guess what I'm trying to, I guess what you're saying is your spouse, your partner, really make sure that you guys are lockstep. Y'all have good, healthy relationship communicating because that can only make you even stronger outside of that marriage dealing with. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Life is significantly less scary when you have somebody on your team. And for those that don't maybe have the ideal uh, spouse or partner, um, like you said, like, go work on that first. Get, exactly. that, get that tuned up um, and get that exactly. health healthy. And also, too, I think that transcends if you have children. You know, you're setting a good example for your children. If you and your spouse or your partner are healthy, Right. So, so that, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is, that is, that is key uh, to work on that first, maybe before you, you know, cause I guess that makes sense too, right? If you're, I need some bros to talk to or some kind of Billy, but yeah, your, your relationship with your wife is great. That's a problem. It's very hard for people. And that's, your, work, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've worked with folks that, you know, they basically have a roommate at home instead of a partner and and it makes so much so many other parts of life much more difficult totally yeah so and, and i think for folks that for folks that don't have that and you know we're single let's say out there um there are people that that will support you you know like i see i see folks that don't have partners all the time or spouses or whatever you want to call it and being able to, you know, find the right to talk to and, and at least have them in your corner and help you work through the things you're thinking about is, is for, for dealing with all sorts of issues that are going on. That's so good. Yeah. And, and also too, I don't know if you're seeing too, Daniel, and I don't know if this is really off topic or just going down another rabbit hole, but it's, I just, ran, I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was New York Times this week, and I should have saved it in preparation for our talk, but more and more men are choosing to be single longer um, where so they're just not marrying and that women i guess are married but they're marrying older men maybe that are more quote stable um mm-hmm. you know there, there's not that arrested development maybe mentality of you know i still i, I still don't know what i want to do in life i'm still living with my parents or you know i'm just feeling the weight of being a man out in this society, but are you, mm-hmm. are you seeing that or at all, as far as a delay or some arrested development, you know, in some of the men that you're seeing? Yes. Yeah. I've been seeing, uh, I mean, on and off, I, I, I do, I do notice that, uh, this generation is certainly getting married and, uh, settling down a little bit later. Um, 
you know, their late twenties as opposed to, you know, early or mid twenties and, you know, even having kids starting in their late twenties or early thirties, it is becoming common. Uh, I personally think that I think it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, the divorce rate in America is, 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 uh, it's huge, uh, especially from the older generations. I think it was 50%. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if you come from a divorced home and, you know, an unstable environment, it's, it can seem daunting to, to try and create a family and figure out what you need and, and try and find a partner that you can be sustainable with for, you know, the long haul, because there will be the ups and downs that I'm sure everybody's experienced. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that is a big reason why people are, are finding themselves uh, getting started with these stages of life a little bit later. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought, cause that, that's kind of what I was wondering too, is it, is it glad you brought that up, uh, that divorce is just an epidemic, you know? And so your core family is just, it's, it's so normal now, just, all right, get divorced, you know, and cool. But how that the, can, could really cause some seismic, um, it's know, devastating, things. right? It's devastating for not only the folks that are getting divorced, but their children, um, you know, the, the ability to be at home and have a stable environment where you're being raised hopefully equally by both of your parents and, and, and taught amazing, uh, life and social skills and how to be in a loving and, and, uh, and caring emotional relationship with respect, um, is it's it's just uh so important and, and divorces can be so devastating for that and you know i i mean ultimately right divorce comes out of dysfunction in those areas so so you definitely didn't have uh you definitely wouldn't have the role models that you were looking true for, uh as a young person and so yeah i mean it's it's uh i think that's a big contributor yeah and, and right and so this maybe the general a product of a divorced family is like, well, uh, why would I want that? Or I'm not in a rush because exactly. were, my parents were married exactly. for 20 years and they still got a divorce. So I'm going to just not do that and go pursue a career, right. I guess. And, you know, we don't have to go there at all, at all tonight, but I just, I guess, cause I got buried late in life, full disclosure, hence the, you know, mm -hmm. birth of this podcast to take notes of, of how not to screw it up as a dad. Um, mm -hmm. but, but you know, you, you will I, a little bit, but that's okay. Right. Right. But I didn't, I didn't realize too, though, like women really, no, it was, I don't feel like it was explained to me, but women really do have a ticking clock. Like they have X amount of eggs, you know, and then they lose them, they lose them. And then it gets to a point where they're, so they were, there really is a hello, like, you know, if we're going to have some children, we got to make this happen. You know, so I did, I don't think I really, that's not a whole side administration, but I don't know. I just, with the whole marriage thing and, <laughs> you know, it'd be insensitive to that. Like I just was so not even tapped into that. I don't know if that really would have prompted me to, to make some decisions earlier or not. Uh, but, but uh, I definitely married who I needed to marry, you know, for sure. So uh, it was worth the wait, but, but anyway, I thought that was an interesting side note. Um, but with, with two dinos, you know, getting back to dads, um, and what you're seeing, you know, what would you, as far as, you know, the audience out there, 
just words of encouragement or even get back to the hospital when those dads have been given the diagnosis of cancer. And you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation, rebuilding, you know, what does that look like? Even for somebody who's like, I, I don't have cancer, but I've got a jacked up either, you know, I am, or, you know, what would you tell, you know, men there as far as rebuilding or what does that yeah, look would, like? Yeah. I would just say, uh, you know, everything is about baby steps, man. Everything is, it's about going slow. I think we're, we all want instant gratification and we want things to happen quickly and, but it's, it's not reality, right? It takes time to work through these and, and being able to take baby steps forward is just, uh, is just absolutely huge. And that, that could be as simple as carving out 30 minutes a week for just you to do what you want to do separate than what other people need you to do. Um, and, and, and just taking small steps, like I'm saying, and. Uh, another thing is, is I once heard this quote and I, I use it all the time, but, and I absolutely love it. And it goes, you, you don't go to the hardware store for milk. What I mean by that is there are a lot of people that folks continue to go back to, to seek advice, to seek love or attention. And they're just getting, and a lot of men and a lot of women, people that are themselves, well, how do I pick myself up and kind of rebuild like you're saying? Well, the first question they might need to ask themselves is, am I going to the people that are going to offer me the greatest support and make me feel good? Or am I just going to people that are going to continue to cause me harm and hurt? And for a lot of folks, going to somebody that is going to create pain is what they're used to. And so whether they know it or not, they're, they're choosing that out of, out of being comfortable. And so for everyone out there listening, those are by far the most important steps is, is go to people and surround yourself with even one or two people that, you know, you can count on for support. And also just understand that building takes time. It's a process. Um, you know, it's just like, it's like with anything, it's like with building a business, it's like building a family, it's like building a building, you know, it's all one brick at a time. It takes a while. And, and, and that's, and ultimately that's, that's how life is. And, and you'll get there eventually, but you know, with a little bit of support and happen. Well, and, and, and Daniel, again, thank you for that. And I guess what I'm hearing too, is that some degree having some sense of self-awareness and, um, I guess, chutzpah, if you will, to maybe in some relationships, I guess if, if you're saying go to people who are going to speak truth, who are going to be positive, right? Am I, am I accurate in that? Right. And it might not be ending relationships necessarily, but certainly setting some boundaries okay. um, and under, and understanding what you can, what you can expect from someone. Um, under having a reasonable understanding of expectations of another person is very important uh, for, for managing disappointment, anger, and frustration in someone's life. Gotcha. Okay. And so I think, and that, that's, that's really, that's really more of what I'm talking to. I mean, 
there will be some people that are just toxic in your life that, you know, maybe they don't need to be part of your life. Um, and other people have good qualities that they offer, but when you go to them for certain issues, they're not able to offer you what you need at that time. Um, and so, you know, in certain relationships, you have to set certain kinds of boundaries. And, re and remember that if you're not able to take care of yourself, then how can you take care of anyone? Right, right. Yeah, and you know, the old adage, yeah. I'm, jump I'm jumping up on a plane tomorrow uh, to go to a conference. And of course, you know, you, you've got to take the oxygen mask first before you can right. you know, give it to your child. So you've got to make sure that you're a sound body, mind, body, soul, right? Before mm -hmm. you can... Yeah, just be able to give, be a gift to your spouse or your child or, or, or whatever. Um, and Daniel also, I don't want to like let the conversation go without at least acknowledging, um, uh, you know, again, if, if the audience is like, oh, do we have to go there again? I, I, I do want to go there only from the sense of, are you still seeing some residual effects from COVID? Um, obviously, there's a lot of people who were stuck with their spouses or partners for a really extended period of time under one roof. And so we know that um, substance abuse or self-medication, you know, ways to kind of escape or self-medicate just was going through the roof. Um, mm -hmm. You know, did you see that? Did you, in your practices, um, you know, are you still seeing that or is there some residual um, effects from that kind of with your clients? There's so much with a uh, substance abuse specifically. I don't typically look at folks that are doing those kinds of issues. Okay. I will say that, uh, when it comes to relationships, uh, comes to relationships, folks either thrive during COVID or fell apart during COVID. And, uh, what I'm seeing now, what I, yeah, what, what I'm seeing now is the folks that made it through it and were able to work through, uh, basically being isolated with each other. Um, you know, in a lot of ways have a really strong bond and uh, most likely, most likely it was a lot of arguments and difficult conversations and figuring out how to deal with each other in small space for a long period of time. Um, but, but yeah, those would survive pretty well. I, I haven't really seen any effects, uh, in the present right now. It seems Everything is basically, you know, tapered off when it comes to COVID. Obviously, it's still out there and people are still getting sick. Severity. So uh, I haven't seen much in the way of, of COVID affecting folks uh, nowadays. What if there's something that I'm not asking you or what is, is something that, um, again, if there's something you want to share with the audience um, that maybe I didn't highlight, but... Um, again, whether it's kind of, again, what you're seeing, how you're working with dads or fathers out there or words of encouragement. Um, I, I, I know one thing that I, is going to resonate with me is take baby steps, you know, one day at a time, you know, obviously you can't eat an elephant. You can, you know, just one bite at a time and just to be totally consistent in whether that's going to see a counselor, taking a risk, you know, and trying to find some connections you know, with, with some men out there, but, but what, yeah, what is, there's anything that I, that I haven't asked that I need to ask or anything that you can share with the audience that is, um, kind of jumping out at you. It's just never too late. I, I think, I think looking on yourself and 
trying to get help. It was, it was a lifetime battle. I, I know it can be difficult. I know it can be difficult for, uh, for access for some folks and who to call on and, and how to, how to find a provider, you know, who to meet. Uh, but there's, there's, there's people out there and, and for dads that are coming up and, and trying to be good dad and raise and raise a good family and put food on the table. Uh, your needs are important too. It's important that you're able to identify what choir of, of yourself and your family and, and try and do your best to, to get those needs met. And, and, and nobody's picked out here. I think we're all just trying to do our best and do what's best for our family that we love. And, um, it's important to remember that you'll make mistakes life, you know, you're going to, you're going to be frustrated one day and, and not want to deal with the certain things that are going on in your life. And it's totally okay too. It's, it's normal. It's not a feel all these feelings and it's important that you feel like you're going to talk to you about them. Yeah, no. And that's good. I appreciate that, Daniel. Um, you know, again, for, for dads out there at that, you know, or just feeling like they've really made some huge mistakes, especially when, when you, the, the eyes of your children are looking at you. Um, you know, I, I do have a stepdaughter who's 13, but I have a son who's two. And I guess there's this, I want to be perfect. And I want to be this, you know, rock, you know, but so I'm not quite there yet. Maybe when they could truly say like, you're an idiot that you're, you made a big mistake, but Maybe there's something powerful about acknowledging to your child, hey, you know what? I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Um, you know, for your children to see that vulnerability that you're Absolutely. not and that you're not perfect. Um, Absolutely. Right? That could be a huge game changer, maybe. And and to be like, that's okay. Um, or if my children are older and I really screwed things up, is to hopefully I guess I'm looking at this to the light of when you're dealing with your cancer patients, man, you never know. We're never guaranteed the next breath. You know, we're never, you know, guaranteed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and so these, some of these patients, I'm sure are like, here's a death sentence. And what would I do differently? Or, or I am going to call my child, you know, and say, please forgive me, you know, right. because that's what it's about. Out. It's not about what's in your bank account to some degree, um, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? It's about, about connection. Yeah. It's about connection. And, and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, the folks that are out here acknowledging and, uh, you know, and, and, and accepting their, you know, their flaws and the folks that are able to actively listen to their kids and reflect back their needs and really hear them. I mean, let their kids have their experience and their emotions. Uh, those are going to have the, the best relationships. So I can eat or your old niece. And, and when she's angry, she tells everyone that she hates them. And, uh, you know, in, in certain cultural, generational, whatever, uh, you know, when a four-year-old would have said that they hated you, they would be like, no, you don't hate me. You don't hate me, whatever. But, um, it's okay for a four-year-old to say that they hate you because how else are they going to say that they're mad? Right. 
you know, and, and being able to acknowledge that and still let them know that you love them and it's okay that they have their feelings is, is immense for, for growth and development and, and, and listening. We, uh, you know, work at a school and we have basically have a script that we use when we do peer mediation with our students, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a, a fourth grader is not going to have the words to sit there and go, you know, Hey, Daniel, when you said this, that really hurt, you know, so we kind of right. have a script. And, 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 and so what I love about peer mediation is that me as the Dean of students, I have the, I sit there, I'm mediating, I'm monitoring. They are looking at each other in the eyes. They, they read the script, but it allows them to give words that I see that you're angry. I see that you're upset. Or when you do this, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's upsetting, you know, so it does give them the words, the power of the words, be able to look at each other in the eyes. So it's almost like, I feel like sometimes we need a script. You know, even with it's our, with our child and, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, or wouldn't you do this, you know, but, but also to, um, kind of like you're saying, I guess, try not to think, take things so personal, you know, with your children, you're not their friend, you're their parent, you know, and discipline means to disciple, to teach. Right. Um, and so I think sometimes it's hard, I think. You know, know this is another topic to invite you for another round, but, um, it's funny as an adult, you know, my students will say something that triggers something in me when I was in middle school. So I feel like my middle, I'm like, I'm back down at their level. Hey, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling insecure and I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting insecure around freaking fifth grader because of what they said, but it triggered something in me that, that needed healing or I'm still, I'm still dealing Right. Mm-hmm. It, Absolutely. So, so I think even with our children, you can get triggered by like, they, they say something that brings up a wound in you. Um, and so you don't act in kind. Um, right. Right. So probably a whole nother. And, and, and people underestimate how, uh, how big things are to kids. You know, I often use this, this example from when I was a, when I was a kid, right. There was always this hill that I would go and roll at at my aunt and uncle's house. They had this massive hill at their house, right? And I was like, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, however old I was. I went back as an adult and I was looking at the hill and I was like, wow, this isn't huge at all. But to a, to a small person, to a child, it was massive. And, mm-hmm. and, and those are similar experiences that kids have with their parents. You know, it's, you can even say like, even if you're, raising your voice or not raising, but if you're a little bit louder and you're talking back and forth with your spouse, for example, your child might think you're yelling because, because to them, all the information and the intake is new and loud might be yelling. They might be like, stop yelling. You're just like, oh no, we're just talking loud, you know? And so for parents, it's really important to remember that, you know, even if something seems small to your kid, it might be really big them yep that's good while we were yeah. talking on that yeah 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 it's funny too go i i remember when uh in my former school we went to middle school and so my kids who were in high school would come back and visit they're like it's so small you know i just right. remember this being so i was like well yeah because you're in fifth grade you know they're exactly. like they're like you're you're small i'm like well yes you know but like isn't that crazy like you to you at that time, this is so huge. And then now you exactly. got back and you're like, this is so small. So yeah, yeah, yeah. From 
from their perspective for sure that's a that's a good point um what you know daniel as we wind down and um i've just this has been so great i feel like we could just go on and on and and just hopefully this has been words of encouragement to to dads out there specifically that you're not alone take a risk find mm -hmm. a group um take baby steps work on your if you're in a relationship with if you're married or have a partner really hone in on that first or i actually sorry back that up work on yourself work on yourself yeah exactly work with, then... with your partner your spouse because mm -hmm. once those things are aligned then you can really be i guess even more proactive out there to find other guys with you um but as as we wind down is there one one other little word of encouragement or other little tick tip or trick you know for the audience that you'd want to share yeah i think uh the last thing i would say is uh you know just talking about the baby steps and what we're talking about here is uh it's really important to get all the little things in between your day right um what do you, you know so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll elaborate so uh, so often you know, when, let's say your parents look back at life with you and they talk about trips and big things you did and, or how you went with your family to, you know, Peru and hiked in the mountains or whatever you did. Um, those things are all great. But how was the first 10 minutes you woke up this morning? You know, how was it when you saw your spouse from work? When, she, when you saw your spouse get home from work yesterday? Did you, do you, do you guys embrace, do you hug? You know, when you see your kid, you give them a hug every time. How about that 10 minutes when you're helping them put on their pants to get ready for school or making lunch? And life is, is so much about the little things in between the big events that happen. And, and if you, if you can get those right, the majority of the times, we don't always get them right all the time then I think you can, you can live a happy life. And it's just so important to remember that. And, 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 uh, you know, we all look at the, our calendar and all these big things coming up, but I guarantee you that if you're doing those other things that are small and seeming significant in between, you're going to be a much happier person. That's good. That's good. Well, Daniel, by you mentioning that it did trigger one more question. I apologize. Yeah, go for it. I'm going off script. That's okay. But since you, since you said that, and you work with those patients that have been given the, the diagnosis of cancer, has anybody shared with you, if I could do one thing different, or if I could go back, I would do that. Has anybody shared anything? You're like, whoa. All right. It's hard to, I'm not going to lie. It's hard to think about one specific thing like that. Sure. But sure. If I had to, if I had to say anything, you know, we do get folks from time to time that, you know, they show up to the clinic and they don't really have any family with them. And, and I asked them and they're, you know, estranged from their kids, they've been divorced for a certain amount of years and they're kind of just going at it alone. And, and I think, uh, you know, in, in the conversations I've had that, you know, Putting in the work and trying to make it work when, when they have the opportunity is something that they definitely try to do. They can do. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair. 
um, for one sliver moment, I was a social work minor. Um, mm. And part of my field work was to go to the local SPCA, get a puppy for pet therapy, go to a nursing home, take the pet, go into these rooms and just bring joy to the elderly. That's amazing. Um, yes, in theory, but it was just an emotion. I was an, emo <laughs> an emotional wreck because uh -huh. when it was over, I'd have to leave the elderly and then I would have to go drop off the puppy at the SPC. And so I was just, I would get home and I would just be balling. But I guess my point is I would go into the nursing homes and I can't tell you, Daniel, how many elderly would cry when I would walk in and say, I've been praying for somebody to talk to. My family won't talk to me anymore. Or I just don't have any connection with my family. So it's almost like mm -hmm. the family just kind of forgets. And, and I'm not trying to go, that's a whole, maybe another conversation, but maybe to what you just said, but as far as it's, it's, it's community, it's connections, um, it's, it's, you know, having your crew, cause we all want to be seen. We all be valued and we all want somebody to say that you, you, you're worthy. You've, you've got worth, mm -hmm. you know, we all want that. We crave that. And so I guess dads. You know, you do have worth, you do have value, you have an amazing, crucial role, you know, don't do this alone. Um, there are professionals like Daniel out there that are ready to talk to you, that are there for you, um, you know, so just don't, don't let it just one more night go by without a text or a phone call, either to a loved one or to a professional. Um, so just. I know for me personally, when I was my panic attacks, it would, it really was a game changer for me. Um, so I'm thankful. I, I had a Daniel in my life years ago that really helps me. It's huge. So with that being said, anything else before we, we wind down, Daniel? No, I just think it's so, uh, I think it's just so great the work you're doing and, you know, trying to, you know, make this a uh, podcast for for men and other folks to, to listen to and, and, you know, try and learn something and get their needs met. I think we're, I think we're all looking for connection and, uh, you know, it's great that there are resources like this and people like you that go out here and, and try and connect people to, to learn more and get the help they need. So I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, likewise, and thank you for taking the, taking the risk. Uh, I know we actually haven't met even though we both live in Houston, we haven't met in person, um, but hopefully we will get to, to do that at some point down the road. But thank you for taking a risk and um, just being open and vulnerable and taking your time. I know you've had a long day uh, of meeting with clients, and so it does mean a lot. So again, the hope and prayer is that somebody out there listening has been encouraged, Daniel. I mean, that's what it's all about, and it, it's worth it. So, um, but again... Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's been great uh, visiting with you. And audience, just know that um, we'll have Daniel's uh, information in the show notes, a link to, to him. So if you do want to reach out to him, uh, if you don't, even if you don't live in Houston, maybe he can point you in the right direction, but may he be a resource to you. So just look out for his information uh, in the show notes. So Daniel, again, 
Thank you very much and uh, get some much needed sleep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, man. Thank Daniel. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. From her brother, C.S. Lewis, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.